0: some of which are over there on the table. Um, And I spoke about his national reputation in Iran. Um, I just want to say that it's a great honor that we have at the Temenos Academy somebody of his caliber um, to lecture for us. Um, He's been lecturing on Islamic theology, philosophy and literature, uh, Persian poetry and aesthetics uh, for Temenos for the last 15 years. Um, And he's acquiring a fan base uh, not only among the Temenos Academy members, but among uh, many uh, ordinary people in, in England. Um, in Iran, of course, he's a household name. Um, you can't go into a restaurant, a hotel, an airport lounge without him being mobbed by hundreds of people who want, his, uh, want to have their photograph taken with him or his autograph or a piece of calligraphy or word of advice. Uh, we were together last week at the Shah Ross exhibition at the British Library and we would go from one room to another and suddenly a whole group of Iranians were gathered around him and you know asking him I oh, doctor mr mr doctor what what oh, I, I love your lectures and so he's he's very well known and uh, even in even in this country it's, it's hard for him to walk down the street um, he's one of the Vociferous voices of modern Islam, which is heard today in the Islamic Republic. Um, his audience there bridges all the social classes. He's appreciated by musicians, artists, writers, as well as doorkeepers, uh, airline stewardesses, shopkeepers. And they all have their personal story to tell about Dr. Gomshi and what their lectures, his lectures have meant to them. Um, and one of the reasons is that he speaks both in the languages of the roses and the nightingales—that um, is the language of Sadi and Hafez and Rumi—as well as he knows the academic discourse of the madrasa and the seminary, and he speaks um, in the language of theology and, and the Quran. He's uh, incredible. His, his doctoral work was done on, on Islamic theology and philosophy, so he knows the, the Quran quite well, and 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 the exegesis of the Quran and and jurisprudence and and the other theological um, sciences. Anyway, as far as I can see, his his role has been to be a kind of beacon, diffusing the light of the sacred canon of Persian literature and Islamic texts, such as the Shahnameh of Ferdossi, the Masnavids of Rumi and Nizami, the Divans of Hafez and Saadi, and he spreads the light of, of these uh, great texts through the lecture halls of universities, and this again is taken up by the television and broadcast, uh, sometimes without his permission. But people love it so much that uh, they take his 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 speeches, and they're they're spread throughout Iran. And um, The interesting thing is that most of the texts that he draws on are Sufi texts, which both subvert and transcend the exoteric interpretation of Islam, this sort of hyper-religious, sanctimony, uh, pretentious, affected, and bigoted interpretation of Islam that we all know of. And tonight, he's going to be speaking on... Islam and the divine nature is man, uh, of, of, of man. And I'm sure he's going to offer us a more palatable interpretation of Islam than the fundamentalist version or the media version that we hear about every day as a religion of war, violence and aggression. So please give Dr. Gomshe a warm up.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, terminus friends and all the devotees passionate devotees of the temple of beauty and the good who are all of you and in response to Dr. Lewison's kindness I can only say that I am like you one of the devotees of the temple of beauty truth and the good (coughs) there is a cherished tradition among Iranians there has ever been before Islam and after Islam to open any enterprise of great peace and moment by remembering one's Lord in remembrance of God. And they believe that this remembrance it's not just a greeting, it's not just um, a beginning, it is the soul of what they are going to do. It is the soul of religion, it is the soul of Islam, that's remembrance. It is the remembrance of the friend, of, the, of our beloved, that makes us rich and fortunate, and full of energy. And so, after this remembrance, we can go the right path. We can do the right deed. Tonight, we are going to speak about Islam. A very difficult job these days, because usually people do not have a good impression of what is being around the world, done around the world in the name of Islam. But I am basing my argument and discussion and discourse on the Quran itself. And uh, I want to offer you a wider sense and a wider meaning of Islam, which is at the same time the Islam at the narrower sense. The title of our, our discourse is Islam and the Divine Nature of Man. The word Islam is, simply means submission. When you submit yourself to the will of God, that is Islam. Whatever your religion may be, if you submit yourself... No, it's too early now. Is it submission? Yes. No, because, yes. <laughs> submission to the will of God, yes. But I will explain a little bit about the miniature as well. But uh, I will go to these uh, charts and discussions. So... <clears throat> It is all the question of submitting oneself to the will of God. And I believe that Islam is a state of mind. If I'm sitting here and I'm ready to accept whatever is truth, whatever I find to be true, I'm ready to submit myself to the truth, then that is the true Islam. The rest comes after it automatically, naturally. Now, <coughs> what is this uh, miniature work? of? I think it's uh, Safavid Persian miniature. Uh, can I have the miniature? Yes. See, <coughs> since Islam is a journey And I have divided the different methods of persuasion and calling of Islam in seven. So I have chosen this miniature to show you both the soul of Islam, which is remembrance. One of these birds, the Pupu, hood, has come to remind everybody, all other birds. They have forgotten People can be divided into not heretic, faithful, or infidel, Muslim, or Jew, or Zoroastrian. People can be divided into two categories. Those who remember and those who have forgotten. And those who remember come to the help of those who have forgotten to remind them. Quran is a reminder Many many times it has been emphasized in the Quran that this book is only a reminder And Sheikh Mahmud Shabestari the great Persian Sufi says the day when our hearts was being fermented in the hands of God he wrote down the scripture there all the scripture is there now he has sent someone as a follow-up that if you have forgotten he would remind you the scripture has come has been revealed descended just to remind you so all the birds we are birds because the soul has wings. Our soul has wings. That's why bird is a good image, a symbol for the soul. There are many harmonies behind this image because we are in a cage and the bird will fly out one day. So now they have come together to discuss whether they have a king or not. And something deep in their hearts, informs them that they have a king. They say, how is it that other group of animals have their own king, and but we don't have? And then Pupu, Hut, who is a symbol, the image of the prophets and great poets, he says, well, yes, you do have a king, king of kings, and his name is Simurq. Seymour simply means it's a legendary bird, of course. But at the same time, it means 30 birds. It means see more. Of course, it has other meanings as well. I don't go into that discussion. So, the birds are ready to move, to take the journey. But when they come to know of the hardships, the difficulties of the way... Then, they are doubtful. Each of them tries to somehow exempt himself or herself that, well, I am too busy, I am engaged in this, I am engaged in that. I have some children, I have some, I have some business, I have some institute. So, I am too busy to come that. I am too small. I, I, don't, I cannot come such a long, long way. And then, the prophets Hothoth, ...convinces them all that none of you can exempt himself. You can all come. If you are sinful, you can repent. If you consider yourself too small, you are big. Because a person who is turning to Seymour is a Seymour. When the ant, he gives them the story of the ant and Solomon. That ant, when he turned... His face towards Solomon. He is a Solomon. Turn your face to God. Turn your face to heaven. And then you are heavenly. So, he is actually persuading them and leading them and guiding them towards Seymour. Not towards the knowledge of Seymour, but towards the castle, the palace of Seymour, and take them, and not like philosophy, because philosophy would take you to the understanding and would convince you that there is such a thing as God, there is such a creator, there is a designer, okay. But Hod, Hod takes you to the door of the designer and lets you go in as a lover. And there you can do what you like. There is a story by Rumi that once a beloved allowed her lover to come to her house. And then he came into the house and sat somewhere and took out a long letter, a roll of letter, to recite the complaining and grievances of separation the beloved said well this is waste of time now you are here it's a waste of time this is for separation don't read poetry don't read quran don't read anything now you are here all the problem is that we have to somehow be guided to the as to the solitude of the friend now we can start by those uh, i can Islam in the widest sense of the word is submission to the will of God, the religion of the whole universe. Islam, according to the Quran, everything, the trees, the sun, the moon, and all animals, and all birds, and all leaves, and trees, they are praising God. And they have submitted themselves to the will of God so if we join them their praise the eternal hymn to intellectuality as Shelley has said, that is also a hymn to God he calls it intellectuality it's to God and <clears throat> There is a music like Hallelujah. You know that when Handel wrote down that fantastic work called Hallelujah... ...he was sitting somewhere and shedding tears. His servant passed by and said, how is it? Why is it that you are shedding tears? He said, well, I saw the paradise. And then I wrote it. I saw the face of my beloved because paradise is the face of God and the bounties of God. So, it is the religion of the world. And to be a believer is to be in harmony with the whole world. Because all the birds are singing, all the leaves of trees are dancing, all the... Celestial bodies are circambulating around each other like lovers. So you just join the uh, universal feast and universal hymn in praise of your Lord. And uh, beside that, it is the religion of all prophets. According to the Quran, this word Muslim is not, <coughs> has not been specified only for a particular religion. Moses actually says, I have been ordered, I have been commanded to be among the Muslims. He uses the word Muslim. And then Noah said, I am a Muslim. And Abraham said, I am a Muslim. I have been... Uh, I have been guided to Islam, and I am a Muslim. So Islam, and being a Muslim, is the religion of all previous prophets. So we can have a Muslim Christian, a non-Muslim Christian. A Christian who has submitted himself or herself to the will of God, then he is Muslim. Jesus was a Muslim. Moses was a Muslim. Muhammad was a Muslim. He was also ordered to be a Muslim. And to be the first Muslim. Because if first he does not witness, then other people would not follow him. No, this God. Whose will we have to follow and to submit to His will has another name in the Quran, which is Al-Haq. You remember the story of Mansur, Mansur, who was uh, on the gallows, and he was uh, still saying Al-Haq, Al-Haq. Al-Haq means truth, truth. So the, the if there is some discussion about the word Allah. Who he is, there's is no discussion about truth. Everybody can submit himself to the truth. So truth. God is the same as truth. And uh, his attributes, this God has two series, two categories of attributes, of qualities. Of course, the most famous is Rahman and Rahim. Rahman means most compassionate. And Rahim means merciful. But generally, his names are divided in two. The names, the attributes of transcendence, means God is incomparable to anything. He is beyond your thought, beyond utterance, beyond anything. Don't speak a word. Don't... Show your finger, as Atar says. He's incomparable. But at the same time, he is everywhere to be seen. Wherever you turn your face is the face of God. Wherever you are sitting, he is sitting at your side. He is with you. And you can see him. According to many verses in the Quran, liqa means the, the, the seeing and the meeting. You can meet your, your Lord. So, there has been much discussion. Some people have tended towards uh, transcendence. And Ibn al-Arabi and Muhyiddin, our Sufis, say that they are infidel. Because they, they believe that God is incomparable. Those who believe that God, this is God or that is God and this is the, uh, uh, w- the image of God, then they are also wrong. So the Tawheed means the unity of God is having the balance at both sides that at the same time, at the same time, he is nowhere to be seen and he is everywhere to be seen. Since he is infinite, he is everywhere. Because if he, there is somewhere where he is not, then he is not infinite. So if you accept that he is infinite, he goes and goes and goes and he, f- he, he covers everything. So, Maasevallah, what is Allah? This uh, phrase, Maasevallah, means anything but God. Ibn al-Fariz al-Mesri says, what is Maasevallah? What is Muslim Allah? Is that the tree or the sun or the moon or what is? What is Masavallah? Wa ma kana illa an badat al-mazahirin, They just simply taught that uh, it is different, while it was He Himself that was reflected in the face of different things. So there is no Muslim Allah. Everything is one ultimate reality that is truth or good or beautiful or whatever you call other good names he has so he is the very essence of existence no quiddity to unhasty kibato kistinist this is what Nizami says before mohyad before uh... Uh, followers of the theory of unity of being he said that you are the existence without equidity, without whatness, you cannot ask what is God and Ferdowsi before all of them he says just prostrate yourself in front of his Existence, and don't ask who or what, because um, no answer to that question, and no need to answer to that question, because uh, you ask what when you are in doubt. When you ask, when you ask, what is this bird called? What is what is unicorn? What then? You you give an explanation. What existence is so brilliant, so clear, incandescent, all oh light. So how can you ask what it is? It is what you feel. With every atom of your being, you feel existence, that you exist, and you are living in a world which exists. So how can you ask about him? How there is no doubt about it. There is a verse in the Quran um, that shakun." Uh, is there any doubt in God? A friend of mine. Uh, used to say, well, God is actually uh, using some sophistry here, and he is using one of the fallacies. When you you make people, you threaten people, is there a a doubt? How do you dare to say there is a doubt? He says, well, yes, I say that there is a doubt. How is it that God is frightening me? Uh, He says that God is here frightening people to believe. This is one way, one fallacy, in according to logic. But the answer is that no, he wants to say that if there is anything you can doubt, it is not God. If anyone speaks of God and say, "Well, does it exist or not?" Then it is not God, because if you can doubt it, you are wrong. If you if you have a feeling. If your heart says that there is no doubt, then that's God. Then you understand. And there is no need to speak about the nature. And the, the nature of God is the nature of you. In fact, there is a verse in the Quran. Fitrat Allah, allati This is the nature of God. And God has created man according to his own nature. So anything you like, I like. Anything you dislike, I dislike. If you dislike lying and vanity and greed and uh, whatever you dislike, I don't like. So your nature is the same as the nature of God. Now, these are some adjectives often used for God. He is absolute, he is necessary, uh, in contrast to contingent because Aristotle... Divides the whole world into a necessary being and contingent being. But this duality doesn't exist in Sufism. They don't believe in two to say this is M. Khan. This is M. Khan and this is wujub There is one thing and whatever is, is necessary. Whatever is, is necessary. So there is no contingent. There is no world of contingency. And he is eternal, it is quite evident that he is eternal, because he cannot come from non-existence at a time. He cannot go back to non-existence. So he is eternal at both sides. And he is immortal. He is omniscient, he knows everything, because he is everything, everywhere. And whatever is, there is God. And he is omnipresent. He is with you, nearer to you than yourself, nearer to you than the vein of your, uh, of your, your jugular vein, in the Quran. So now, where can we find this will of God? I am ready to submit myself to the will of God. How can I find this will? How can I, I be sure that this is the will of God? God has sent two prophets to announce, to declare, to make us know His will. One prophet within and one prophet without. The prophet without, like Muhammad, like Jesus, like Moses, they are the prophet without. But there is first a prophet within, which is reason. According to a tradition from Muhammad, the first thing that was created was reason, in the wider sense of the word, was intellect, you could say. And this intellect is the source of love, is the source of everything. He first, because there is a rule in, in Islamic philosophy that one cannot create more than one. If you're one, you cannot create two things. If you're really one thing and there is uh, no composition, you're simple, then God can create only one thing. And that one thing was intellect, was reason. And that intellect took a look, three looks. Here multiplicity starts to begin. He looked at his, at his creator, intellect. He is my creator, so he saw how beautiful he is. So beauty was born. Beauty was born out of the look, glance, of the intellect. He looked, and beauty was came into being. Beauty is the second intellect, intellect actually. The second intellect. According to Aristotle we have ten intellects, one coming after the other. So Agla Aval Ron Rumi says, Agla Aval Ron Bar Dovum Nezidum. The first intellect gave birth to the second intellect. So the second look was I want this beauty. Then the soul was created. The intellect took a look at the beauty, the absolute beauty was creator. And then from the point of beauty, he looked how beautiful. If you say how beautiful this is reason. If you say I love it, this is soul. This is the the human soul. So, the second glance gave birth to human soul and the third glance he said well I am all depending to my creator I didn't exist and I came to existence so a worry comes to you that maybe one day again I will be nothing so the world of, of dimension GSM, or body came into being Corporeal bodies. Mm-hmm. So the corporeal bodies and the world, the secular world and the corporeal world came into being out of the look of intellect, the third look, who looked at himself, that I, how I came into being. So this uh, prophet within. appeared, millions and billions of men all receive their share of that reason, of that reason, and we can have the three looks, you have, you can have the three looks, you look at beauty, say, well, lovely, you praise, you say poems, but you say, well, how, she is lovely, I want to be with her, I want her, I desire her, I want to marry her, I want to join her, to have union with her. Then, this is the second look. And every now and then you take a look at yourself, that's well, how is it that I am in this world and I, I didn't exist before that, and now maybe I will not exist, then the worry and fear comes to you. And all sorrows start from here. Don't take the third look. The third look is not a true look. Because it is uh, your, your analogy and your argument is not right. That I didn't exist. You existed before that. And you will exist after that. So don't worry about being and non-being. Because all the sorrows come from being and non-being. So it, it exists, it doesn't exist. I have it, I don't have it. I have lost it. You say, well, I had so much money, then I lost it. Then I gambled and I no longer have it. You, it is not true. Because nothing is lost in this world. Because there is only one world of being. Whatever you lose, you will find it somewhere else. You will come to meet with whatever you have lost. Even your childhood. Maybe... You are interested, when I was a little child, I wanted to, to see, you will see, because it exists. Anything which has existed once upon a time will exist forever. Because there is only one world, the world of existence, not the world of non-existence and existence. And you remember, I said that you we don't have a non-existent shire, a country like non-existent shire, so that you may go there. You cannot go there. So only two looks remains that you look at beauty, at the good. Good is the inner, the inner manifestation of beauty. You see. Good is the same as beauty. Actually, in Arabic, uh, the word, there is a word husna, which means the good and the beauty. And he asks you not to believe in God. He says, وَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْتَى وَأَتْقَى The person who is generous and gives alms and avoids from all wrong deeds and believes. In the beauty. Doesn't say believe in God. And Husna means he says that it is right, that beauty is right. Beauty exists. And goodness is true. Goodness exists. So and wa And then he goes on to say, Wa Who is heretic? a heretic is a person who doesn't believe in goodness he says fair is foul, foul is fair It's such a disorderly world uh, to say this is the most devilish statement Shakespeare has put in the in the mouth of these three weird sisters that fair is foul and foul is fair it is not true all the sh- plays of Shakespeare is to Prove that fair is fair and foul is foul. And if you do fair, you, will, you have to wait for fair. So, reason in a wide sense. You probably have read the book by George Santayana, uh, The Life of Reason. He has written five books. Reason in common sense, Reason in art, Reason in society, reason in religion, and the reason in, this is five, reason everywhere, actually. Reason in society, reason in, in morality, reason in religion, reason in, in art, and reason in common sense. This reason, in the widest sense, even our our senses are a part of reason. When you touch something and you like it, when you just it is burning, oh, it is hot. This is reason. Reason uh, has different levels, and he appears in four. I will explain in four different levels of your being. Uh, But here I read one meaning is the heart of man heart is the reason in the wide sense the reason which is denied by rumi is a different reason that is just being limited to some arguments and to some uh, meaningless uh, analogies that is what rumi there is a funny story that once the fool of the king happened to marry um, uh, an ill-named lady. And then the king said, well, you could tell me that I would provide for a better lady for you and a um, uh, modest, more more of morality, a better lady for you. He said, "Well, I have, I have several times married some of those ladies, and now this time I'm going to marry this one. Maybe this is better. Maybe this is better. But when Rumi says reason, he means all. It, it, it covers." Love, it covers heart, it covers senses, it covers your sight, it covers your memory, it covers everything. Except your soul. Your true soul is the one who loves. But reason is the one that differentiates. That says, well, this, I am, I am at, he is a man of distinction. In two meanings of differentiation. One name is conscience. Your conscience is reason. Shakespeare says my conscience has a thousand tongues and with every tongue tells a thousand the story, and in every story uh, blames me a thousand times. So it's a billion, <laughs> uh, a billion blames and reproaches coming from your conscience. But... This reason, which is the prophet within, this prophet within is actually a tradition by Muhammad. Hadith. Al-Aqlu Rasulun. He says that your reason, your intellect, is a prophet from within. Min-dakhil. Wal-Rasulun Aqlu And the prophet... It's reason outside. It is your reason coming outside. So this is from the tradition of Muhammad, not uh, only by poets and in literature. So this reason in different realms appear and always differentiates. In biological, first of all, it is in biological realm of your being, you smell something, say, well, lovely, I love it. And sometimes you just creep your uh, nose, close your nose and uh, stop up it up and pass by. If you stop there and receive those bad odors, then it will pun- punish you. You will get headache. So you have the first, the first step of Muslim or Islam is to submit yourself to the will of reason which is to your health. It is salutary, not injurious. And uh, when you, for example, try to smoke, your lung would tell you that it is no good. You just cough and say, it is no good for me. How is it that you are sending it down? I, I don't like it. So, if you submit, then you will remain healthy. Submit yourself to the delicious. What is delicious is good. What gives you pleasure is good. Actually, some people think that we shouldn't go after pleasures; we have to abstain from, from. it is not right. Pleasure is the is the red. Sorry, is the is the green light of nature. It's the green light of God. That if it is pleasing, then you go towards it, unless. It is unpleasing to some other realms of reason. Reason, if it is pleasing, then okay, you can go on and have it. It is pleasing to be with that uh, beautiful fair mate. It's pleasing, but it is unpleasing to tell a lie. It is unpleasing to uh, trespass the rights of others. So it is not pleasing. If you go after pleasing and pleasure, all is right. So in the first realm... It differentiates between what is salutary and what is injurious. A friend of mine once said that I had a child and every time he a young kid, every time he wanted to take these chocolates, I would say it is injurious. It's no good for you. And then once he happened to read on the Pack of secrets, It is injurious to life. Sometimes they write it is injurious. So he said, "Dad, how is it that you you are? It is injurious to you." He said, "Well, I didn't. I just throw it away, and because I couldn't uh, answer uh, the argument of my son. So it's right. It is injurious. You have to tell you yourself that it is injurious." Shakespeare has a very beautiful saying about the wine, the the, the secular wine, that uh, it is one, it is it is really a, it is really a source of wonder how people help a thief, a robber to go into into their house. And then they give him the, answer, the, the address that you go upstairs to my head and then rob away my reason. I have a jewel there and you can take it away. How is it that people do that? So the first step, if you want to be a Muslim, you have to submit yourself to what is good to you. And education has been... A very good definition of education. that What is education? Education is to train people to enjoy what is good. To have their pleasure from what is good. It means that you stop them from acquiring uh, nasty habits. The second realm of reason is intellectual. Here, reason differentiates between true or false. If I say A is equal to B and B is equal to C, then A is equal to C. Do you agree? You say yes. Everybody says yes. It is true. That statement is true. It is not false. So, the first two things we have we have brought with us, they have brought with us all the logic, all the mathematics, all the philosophy in just two understanding, two things we understand. First is the law of contradiction. And second is the law of causation. If the child finds that his book is not on the table anymore, he wants to say, well, where is my book? What has happened to it? He doesn't say, well, it existed and now it doesn't exist. He wouldn't say that. He would say, well, it existed here and somebody has taken it or you have touched it or someone has taken it away. What has happened to my book? So in, within our hearts, we cannot deny, we cannot deny causation. I, I wonder how some philosophers try uh, like many of them, uh, in what sense, I don't know. But causation is by, in our nature. You cannot deny it, even if you try to convince a person, to convince a person that there is no causation, you have to believe in causation, because your argument is the cause of his, of his uh, belief, of his denial. You are trying to make him believe that there is no causation. So you choose certain sentences, certain arguments to convince him. So this is the cause. You wouldn't tell the story of uh, Shakespeare so that he would be convinced. You use certain arguments and certain analogies. So causation is uh, in our nature. So this causation and the fact that when something exists, it cannot, you cannot say that it doesn't exist at the same time. This is either a candle or non-candle. There is no third alternative when it comes to the question of existence and non-existence. So, this is what we take with us to the school. And we learn mathematics and we learn everything uh, through this. And then... Also, reason appears in the realm of aesthetics. Again, the main job is differentiation and distinction, discerning. Discerning between the ugly and disharmony and beautiful and harmony. Say it is harmonious. It's good. It is lovely. It is beautiful. Everybody can understand beauty. It is, it is not true that some people say beauty is something relative or something subjective. Everyone has his own taste. It is not true. Because you are taken to a museum. They show you the carpet of Ardabil, And who would say, well, what is this rubbish thing they have brought in the mu- museum? Everybody would accept that it's beautiful. Beauty is universal. Of course, there are some arguments about in at certain cases that this is more beautiful. But beauty and music and art is universal. If you're an artist, really a great artist, everybody would understand. If you play good music, no matter if it is Japanese or Persian or whatever it is, uh, everybody would enjoy it. Or at least you can say that it's music. It's music, but I prefer classical music, I prefer western music, but it is music I cannot come here with my tar, with my instrument, which I cannot play, and then say, well they are English people, they don't know I will just play and say this is Persian music, would you accept me? Everybody would say you are not a musician You (laughs) you are not a musician it's quite clear so In the aesthetic realm, we come with another thing which is universal. Even a little child, if you show the little child, the nursling, the nursling, we are all nurslings of eternity, of course, but even an, uh, uh, an infant can distinguish between beauty and ugly. Just show it. Uh, two two faces, one beautiful and one most ugly, and then it will look this the other one. They have they have experimented. It is sure. It can distinguish the child can distinguish between good music, and just harsh sounds. If there is harsh sounds, it would cry. What is this? Because harsh sounds create insecurity. When there are because every every sound. Conveys a meaning. Good music, it means you are you are safe here. Nobody is going to harm you. When when when, so it listens. But if it is harsh sounds, it is the father shouting at the mother. Then he would cry because he knows that this sound doesn't mean that I am safe. Maybe something is happening. I can't understand. So. I told to my friend in another session that rhythm is, uh, conveys the meaning of everything o- is okay. When you are playing a rhythm, it, it means that you are okay. That everything is okay. And I, recommended, I have recommended my friend that when you are angry, say one, two, three, one, two, three. And then you will become better. <laughs> you will stop it. Because it is, it is harmony. Your agriness is disharmony. You, you can defend, <laughs> defend harmony by harmony. I often used to say, don't curse, because many people have the habit of cursing this, god damn this, curse to that. The curse, what is the curse of of darkness? It is the candle. Put a candle before darkness, it go away. It, it is not necessary that you uh, shout damn with... This be to uh, darkness. This to darkness is the candle. So this to disharmony is harmony. If you create harmony, if you create beauty, if you create rhythm, then you would stop doing the wrong thing. And the, in the ethical or moral realm, again, reason appears. That's uh, yes. This is a lovely, fair girl, but uh, you are not allowed to approach her. You would not harm her. Uh, You there are certain rules and regulations you have to follow, and uh, you shouldn't. You can you are not free to do what you like. And then if you if you do it, I would not be satisfied with you. So you are not following the pleasure. You have to follow the pleasure. Do whatever is pleasing, you you are doing some unpleasing, because this is the highest level of appearance of reason because if this doesn't accept then here you can stop here you can stop because this is the higher the most elevated level of our being if a person doesn't know any art, no problem but if he does the wrong deed, then everybody would protest him See, so this is the highest. A person is, is praised more than anything else than by his morality, by his dignity, by his honesty. If you are honest, you are good enough to, to be the king. You don't need to know anything. A good person is the masterpiece, masterwork of God. So this is the prophet uh, within in four realms guides you. So what is the, the the use of that prophet without? Somebody would ask well we have such a good prophet within ourselves and we can we can submit ourselves to this and what else do we want? How is it so many one thousand, one hundred thousand 100,000? we say Sadu B In Persian they say one thousand one hundred thousand twenty four uh, different prophets why we don't need such prophets so this is the answer to that That's, the prophets without does some services that actually they do three services first of all this is the amplifier of the nature your nat- the voice of your nature the voice of your reason has become low you don't hear it You forget it. He raises the voice that you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't speak. uh, You shouldn't speak against uh, your friend. You shouldn't backbite. You shouldn't slander. You shouldn't do that. He, what what is there in in the Quran? What is there in the Bible? What is there in all the scriptures? That you have to follow the rules of honesty and propriety and piety. So... The first is that he is a reminder, a reminder, zikr, which, is, which also means recitation. People say, oh, God, God, oh, my God, oh, my God. They, they repeat the name of God. They repeat, and this, this repetition is called recitation, zikr. But zikr, the real meaning of zikr is remembrance. When he is present in you, when he is not present in you, no matter how many times you say, Oh Allah, Oh Krishna, Oh Hare Krishna, Hare Rama, Hare Krishna, I have seen many people who are trembling with fear and say, Hare Krishna, Hare Rama, Hare Krishna. If it is the name of God, if if the presence of God would make you cool and calm, you should not be afraid. So, the Quran is called Zikr. Zikrun wa Qur'anun mubin. This is Zikr. This is a remembrance. This is a reminding of whatever is already in your heart. So, he reminds you of the covenant. We have made a covenant with our Lord. The covenant of Alast. Alast is a verse in the Quran is the verse in the Quran, uh, according to which God gathers all sons of Adam to eternity and exposes himself to them, shows her beauty, her goodness, her mercy, her bounties, and then he asks the question, am I not your Lord? Just look at me and see, am I not your Lord? We all said yes, yes, you are our Lord. So, according to Saadi and Rumi and our poets, we have said yes and now we say no. We had made a covenant that we should follow the way of God. We should follow the straight path. This is our covenant. We shouldn't follow the devil. Alam ilaykum ya bani Adam, shaitan. Am I not? pledged you, did I not conclude a covenant with you that you shouldn't follow in the footsteps of of the devil? So you you have to say, yes, you did. We had such a covenant. So, uh, the second, he reminds you of the covenant. Of the covenant of Alast. And uh, in, gather, in, in, in ceremonial gatherings, I usually say that when the bride says yes and the man says yes, this yes is a vibration of that yes. When <clears throat> when you say well, yes, I, I I accept that my covenant is with you. I don't want to marry the mother of Akhwanidiv or such and such devil, the weird sisters. The second service of the Prophet without... Uh, no, the second is still here. <laughs> yeah. The, the pre- <laughs> we said no again. <laughs> yes. The second is that uh, he is a healer. Sometimes we, we, we acquire certain habits. And we deviate from the right of nature, the path of nature. So he puts you back to the way. If you are in a place where there are bad odors all the time, like in a tannery, for example, Rumi has a story, a very funny story, that uh, a tanner who is is all the time uh, in the company of bad odors, ...happened to pass by in the market of perfumery. And then he fell down and fainted. So people gathered and they wanted to uh, do something. But his brother happened to pass by and said, well, I know how to uh, bring him back to his consciousness. And then he put some uh, some of the filths and the foul things in the tannery. And put it in, in his... Behind, below his m- nose, and then he came to life again, so when we acquire bad habits, then we lose the right way, and we the the only th- thing which which can heal us is uh, using um, a sort of homotherapy but the the prophets do not that the prophets I will tell you later. They have seven different techniques for this healing, for this reminding, and for this guiding. The third is guiding. He guides you. He heals you from prejudice, from habits, from maladies. And He guides you through education, through teaching, through sharing His revelations with humanity. That I have received this revelation. إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ خُسْرِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا بِالْحَقِّ He is a big bang, a big voice in the world today that if they follow it, they can understand what he says. He is sharing his revelations, or you could say sharing his happiness with humanity. So this is the... The service of the prophet without. Now, the next one. Uh, Would you come back to the previous? Oh, yes. To the previous one. Previous than this. Yes. You see, here we have healthful, true, beautiful, and good. These are the ways of God. And here we have false, we have ugly, we have evil, and we have injurious. This is the call of the devil. Actually, devil is calling you to these four, and the angels and God are calling you and persuading you to this, because uh, religion is an offer. It is not imposition. They just call you, the devil calls you, and the angels calls you, and the prophets call you. They give an offer, an offer. When you have a shop, you have an offer of some commodities. You don't come in the street and say, come here, why don't you buy some of these fruits? He will come to to your shop. A shop or an office, you have the office of a lawyer. You are a lawyer, you have your office, you offer your services. But you don't go in the street and say, come here, you look like being in debt. I will, you, you can come to me, I, I can help you. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't force you to come to them. They just offer their bounty, their, their, the blessing they have received, they offer it. So This is the Quran. We guided them the right way, to the right way. Whether you accept it, you are thankful, or you may this, uh, reject it. So this is the offer of the devil and the offer of the angels. They both exist in you, and they offer you, make their offering. So the next one, and the... yes the last page now how the prophet without s- succeeds or tries or makes effort to uh, persuade you to his own way to remind you and to guide you and to save you from the grasp of the devil because we are constantly in clash with the devil Sometimes we are not even in clash with the devil. We are at peace with the devil. Because we are one of the devils ourselves. It is good. Robert Browning says, it is good. The moment you are in clash with the devil, the angels come out. Oh, there is good. There is such a man. Wonderful. He is, he is rising against the devils. It's very good to do that. To have a clash with, with, with the devil. And... Uh, you know that uh, com- comedy the divine comedy of Dante is actually three parts: the, 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 the inferno is that when the devil is at peace and is ruling is dominating, and the purgatory is when you are clashing, and the paradise is when you are ruling and there is no devil. So uh, the different uh, methods, the first one and the most primitive is warning and encouraging. This is a system, of course, uh, used for children mostly, but uh, there are people who are children. Rumi says, um, who is a man, a grown-up man? is a person who knows how to behave, how to control his wrath. It is said that the famous lady happened to come in a gathering and then he didn't veil herself and she was exposed and somebody says how is it that you are not a muslim you don't cover yourself set, uh, in front of men so who you show me a man and then i'll cover myself <laughs> there's no man <laughs> so this warning the police warns you that you, if you are heedless to the red light, then there are some problems following it. So this is warning and encouraging. Encouraging um, that you will be rewarded by paradise, and you will um, go to hell, which is a, uh, the place abode of, of all troubles. But this is uh, very primitive. Um, Not for all people. Many people don't need that. The higher level is compensation theory. That it doesn't say that if you tell a lie, I will burn you in hell. It would say if you tell a lie, this lie will, uh, will be injurious to you and will be a hell for you. It will create a hell for you. The first thing it happens that a liar gradually, the gesture of his face is changed. He loses his identity. He is no longer a man. If, if a person tells a lie and lie and lie every time and fabricating lies, then gradually something in his face happens to, to appear. That he is, you know, even the gesticulation of hands Um, in in certain classes they teach people that when people want to say a lie, they do some unnecessary gestures. For example, you ask him, is that a good house or there is nothing wrong? Well, I think he doesn't need to to scratch his head. But when he is scratching, it is unnecessary motion, unnecessary gesture. It is a sign of telling a lie. There are signs in your face, something happens. So that is Rumi says, when, uh, when you call people, he is a wolf. He is a, 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 a lion. He is a, a, a lizard. Or you call them, he is a donkey. So something of that animal has appeared in his face. So he says that when you are doing wrong, you become wrong. You, you lose your identity or you lose your heaven. You, ro- you lose your relationship with happiness. You cannot be happy anymore. You cannot live a, a happy life anymore. But I will not prepare any fire for you. You will be burnt in your own fire. So this is the compensation theory that if you do A, then if, if you kill like... Uh, Macbeth if you kill the guest of your house then me thought I heard the voice cry sleep no more you will scare sleep from your eyes the loveliest sleep the sleep which is the balm, which is the, the second course in the feast of life which is so very dear this you will lose you will lose it this will happen. And it is not, it is not easy to pass by. Uh, you cannot trammel up the consequences. Then there are literary techniques in the Quran. There are parables, histories, stories, tales, fables, imagery, symbolism, metaphor, etc., metonymy and um, sound compositions, they all help to convince you. Beauty is convincing. When you say something with beauty, with authority, with belief, then everybody would accept it. When your belief comes from your heart and you say it in such beauty, you are sure that it cannot be wrong. Because beauty is truth. The Quran The very very form of the verses, if you listen to the sounds, particularly if you understand at the same time the meaning, it will bring you to ecstasy and joy. It is a source of pleasure, unfinishable, inexhaustible source of pleasure for anyone who has no prejudice against it or for it. You can enjoy it. It is so beautiful yada abi dam dam you see um, you can play it with a daf i i remember that my father used to dance with and we send down the angels in the in the night of blessing so there are so many stories Persian literature is full of stories, and the Quran is full of stories. And uh, God says to Muhammad, they, "Tell them stories." And through these stories, they may think about these stories and use their reason. There are hundreds of cases in the Quran that God is complaining that why don't you use your reason? And the the people in the in the hell. They are asked, how is it that you have fallen in, in the hell? They say, if we had followed the Prophet without, or, lo nasma o naqil. Either if we had followed the words of a person who knew the way, or we could reason it. We could use your, our own reason. These, this Qur'an is for the people who use their reasons, who think about it. So they do, not, they do not want you to accept it. They want you to read it, think about it, listen to the argument, and then either accept it or reject it. So, there are many stories. I, I'll just tell you one story from Rumi. I wonder I'm not uh, overusing my time.
0: You have maybe five minutes and then five have minutes. ten minutes for questions. Okay, okay.
1: so maybe I can <laughs> maybe use more, a little bit more of the time, yes. So um, there is a story of the intoxicated man and the policeman. The religious policeman happened to pass by in the bazaar, and he happened to see a man drunk, fully drunk, lying down on the ground. He came to him and said, well, tell me, what have you drunk? He said, I have drunk from the bottle over there. I said, well, what is there in the bottle? He said, it is already what I have drunk. He said, what is then, what is your drunk? He said, well, I told you that it is what is already in the, in the bottle. So it was a vicious circle, a vicious circle. And he says that the policeman got stuck in the, in the mud like a donkey. And he couldn't. And then he said, well, say ah. So that I would uh, smell and understand what you have drunk. Say ah. He said, who, who? He said, I asked you to say ah. You say who? He said, ah is for sorrow. I'm happy. I'm happy. Now, I cannot say ah. You can say ah. <laughs> ah is, is sighing in Farsi, ah. But I'm, who, who is for happiness, for who, who of the Sufis. When they say who, who, it means we are happy. So he wants to say there are people. The policeman is a symbol of, a, of um, Javert in Les Miserables of Hugo. He doesn't know anything but the the. the Carnal and the secular rules, but the person who is drunk, he cannot even explain to the policeman what I have drunk. I have drunk Saadi, I have drunk Rumi, he cannot understand. That is why Rumi has called the name of his book is Fihema Fi. What is the name of this book? Fihema Fi, there is what is there is in it. There is in it, what is there is in it. So it means that I cannot explain. You can drink it and you understand it. There is another story by Rumi again that once a grammarian, because grammarian people are often very vain and self-conceited and they think that they know everything. People, um, um, Rumi is criticizing actually... grammar Arabic grammar nav. as have you ever uh, learned grammar he said well no I didn't know I don't know what it is <laughs> I don't know what grammar is so um, the man said then half of your life is gone for notes you have lost half of your life and now that you don't know now then he became broken-hearted, but he didn't say anything at the time. After a time, a storm started, and then the, the ship was about to sink, and then the captain shouted to the man, have you ever learned how to swim? <laughs> he says, no, I didn't. He said, then all your life uh, is gone for naught. You are losing all your night. So, then Rumi makes uh, a play with the word, a pun with the word that, Nav is grammar. And math is annihilation. If you are a man of annihilation, (laughs) then you will understand. So, Quran is very beautiful indeed. And very musical. And uh, the expressions and the stories and the parables are most beautiful. I recommend that my, I often recommend my students that leave your face aside. Don't believe in the Quran, Because when you believe in something, you, you don't understand it. Because you believe it not out of your own belief. It is out of your father's belief. And grandfather's belief. And great-grandfather's belief. But if you read it with no faith, and then you, have, you, you submit to it, then that's your faith. Then you are a Muslim. Who is a Muslim? A Muslim who is a person who understands and he knows that this is the right way. So note, you don't know that. You have to read the Quran. Rumi says it's the bride. You can marry it. You can marry this, this chapter. There are 114 different chapters in the Quran. So then we have this consciousness in the Quran. Constantly reminds you of the day when you are leaving this world. But he gives the warning so softly and so beautifully that you are not afraid of it. First of all, he says, Every person, every soul, tastes the, uh, tastes the flavor of this. So you are eating this. This is not eating you. You are devouring this. And he says, When your heart, your eyes starts um, striking with, sorry, sparkling with, with the light of this in your eyes, and then um, you are sure that you are going to leave and you ask, Where can I take refuge? Then there is no refuge. And then he adds, you are going back to your Lord. You are going back to your mother. You are going back to the one who is going to give you uh, milk. To nurse you. Today, you are going to your Lord. So don't be afraid. Who is not uh, in love with going to his Lord? So several times he informs you that... This is a new consciousness, a shift of consciousness. You are suddenly shift and switch to another waves, like a channel, like um, a, a TV channel. You change it. They change the channel of your your being, and then this there is a disconnection with this body, and there is a connection somewhere else. And there is a there is also a um, Tradition from Muhammad that uh, people are are sleeping and they are dreaming and they are dreaming, but when they die they wake up. You suddenly wake up and you fi- and you find yourself in another world. There is no death actually. You just go to sleep and then you you wake up. As Wordsworth also says, that our is. Uh, our birth is just going to sleep. And our death is an awakening. There are so many beautiful expressions of, uh, of this in the Quran I cannot explain. One is the spring. Look at the spring. This is the way I will take you to the next world. You come out of the dark earth. And you would be free from the earth. You can use your hands. You, now you are under the, under the pressure. You will come out like flowers. And then there is a transcendental view which doesn't tell you about the hell or heaven or the compensation theory or things like that. He says you are too good to do that bad deed you are going to do. The, the man has such dignity, such nobility, that it is below your dignity to do that. I don't say that you will go to, to, to hell or such and such troubles with follow. I just tell you that you are a king. What are you doing in, in, under the eyes of the angels? You have been given some authority. Do the good. It is your dignity. So... Nizami has written a whole uh, book called Mahzanul Asrar, The Treasury of Secrets, in praise of man. That you know, you are the highest of the highest. There is a verse in the Quran that we have created man on the highest and best proportions, and the highest and loftiest place we have given to man. And the most beautiful and best proportions. And now we send him down to the lowest of the lowest. And from the lowest he is coming back to the highest. Then, uh, love. Another relationship which is emphasized in the Quran between man and God is the relationship of, of love. It is not about your dignity, not about the hell or things like that we are in love with our lord and our lord is in love with us he has written a letter to you he has invited you he has he loves you so much that he has sent thousands of people go and tell him and uh, that uh, i am waiting for him so uh, there is a very beautiful hadith by muhammad that he says uh, he says uh, such and such person called sad is very very jealous. I am more jealous than sad, and God is more jealous than me. And because of his jealousy, he has prohibited that you do the bad deed. Because the bad deed is to be with the wrong lady. Come to me. You everything you want is in me. You don't need to go to that bad work. I am jealous of you. I don't want you to be with something else. So, there are seven stations of love. I am not going into that, but I will just give you the name. The first is quest. When you have a fire in you uh, that I need, I want something, uh, you are in search, in pursuit. This is the quest. And then... You come to the station of love and then you come to the station of wisdom and then you are the station of um, independence or needlessness and then it comes to unity and after unity is perplexity when you find that everything is united as Dante explains that I, I saw that the, the scattered pages of the world were all came together and bound into a book, and on which it was written love. So the whole world, which is a scattered, and multiplicity for you, then they are all gathering together uh, in the vision of Tawheed. So you become perplexed, you, you become amazed of so much uh, one in many and many in one. And you understand that the one remains and the many changes and pass. And then there are rituals. The rituals also help. The the rituals like prayer and fasting and going on a pilgrimage to Mecca. And uh, they all somehow help you to go the right path. But if the prayer is a parrot prayer, it is empty of all sense and meaning you just, Rumi says, when you are praying, the monkey would also come and do like this. So, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what is Allah Akbar. He doesn't know, and you don't know what, what, what you mean. So, you are like that. So, he says that rituals have a body which if it has a soul, then it's good. Like everybody else. But if it doesn't have a soul, it is a, a, a Rehearse what do you call it? The general, the corpse. It is a corpse, and nobody would like to approach a corpse of rituals of pr- prayer. Otherwise, it is very good. For example, morning prayer. We have. Uh, it is very good to you acquire a habit of rising with the sun, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. It is good to be an early riser, and to meditate a few minutes about your Lord and to, to speak with him that I am your servant, I am your devotee, I love you, I'll go to your past. It is very good. There's nothing wrong with these rituals. Uh, you go to, to, to a pilgrimage to Mecca because it, it teaches you how to circle around your beloved. Learn, but not seven times, 7,000 times. Rumi says uh, the haji the means. The, uh, the pilgrim who is who is conscious, who has the reason with him in the wrong sen- in, in the l- narrow sense, he uh, circumambulates only seven times, but I am a lover, I am mad, and then i don 't count how many times I have turned round i don 't count it and then Sad, says, <laughs> If the donkey of Jesus is taken to Mecca and circambulates several times and then it comes back, it's still the donkey. So you have to change through this pilgrimage. This pilgrimage on the earth is a symbol of the pilgrimage of the soul. You have to change. When you come back, you are somebody else. If you are the same person, then this is what Sadi says that Khari Isa, well there are many many things I am ashamed really of the beauty of the technique of the prophets um, which is explained in the Quran but I, I just gave you a very faulty uh, expression of that but uh, I did my best. Uh, thank you.
0: Well, um, I'd like to thank everyone country for this wonderfully uh, broad-based philosophical, ethical, spiritual, metaphysical uh, overview of the uh, deeper aspects of which you never read about anywhere, um, well, very rarely. So uh, the floor is now open for uh, questions. Uh, I think what we have, how long do we have? Five minutes? No time? For, uh, five minutes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so, right. Yes. Yeah. I just so speak, speak, speak very loudly. Okay, yeah, a uh, couple of questions, hopefully uh, fairly brief. One question. Yeah. <laughs> One question. <laughs> Right. Okay. Um, Only one question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Submission. You say Islam is submission. As part of the submission, it is also submission to the laws of Islam. Yes. What is known as the Sharia of Islam. Yes. And which again raises questions. For instance, uh, the modesty of the woman's dress. The jurist will tell you she must cover her head. Yeah. But is it necessary for her to be modest in order to cover her head? Um, and if one doesn't do that. Is that not a sign of not submitting to the Sharia of Islam? So these are questions...
1: Yes, Yes, I know. This is a very prevalent question. Everywhere I go, they ask me. uh, You see, everything has, I mean, all the scriptures have two sides. One is the perennial philosophy, the universal message. And then there are certain things which depends on time. We have to think about it and to bring it in harmony with our time and our style of life. There are certain things which are not the laws of God but some suggestions that you better, it is better that you do like this for your safety. But when you find that your safety can be observed, can be secured in other ways then you can have some changes. For example, in the Quran, it says that you have to be equipped against your enemy. Then it says that you have to take swords and and horse. Would you take horse in these days? You won't. You won't take a sword because a sword is of no use now. So when he says you have to acquire to get some sword and some horses, it is not the message. It is the form. You know, in, in every metaphor we have the tenor and the, and, and the vehicle. The tenor is the message. The vehicle can be changed. That is why we have Ishtihad, a, a great clergyman has to, at every time, he has to think about it and to bring it in accord with his time. So, mm, that is what is the the, uh, duty and the responsibility of the clergyman. And if they don't, then people would not follow them. They would not follow the exact form, for example, of najis and paq. See, they have to change these ideas. They, They still say, if you want to give alms, for example, two camels, they speak about camels still. Two camels is equal to three... Uh, cows and every cow is equal to three uh, sheep and uh, if there are 20, if you have more than 21 camels then you have to give one tenth of that or one, you shouldn't think like that. Now we have to bring it to basic commodities. Nobody can calculate now according to, to the camels. Now in, in, in Iran Somebody had killed someone and he had to pay for DA, for for the blood money. And then he had brought 14 camels at the door of his apartment. And this is, uh, what can he do with that? What can he do with the 14 camels? Uh, The camel is not uh, a source of calculation. So we have to get the message and the form is to be harmonized with the time.
0: One more
2: question? Yes? A philosophical question with regard to you have talked about God and uh, we've talked about truth and so on. And I just wondered, what's your definition of evil in respect to that?
0: What is your definition of evil in respect to God and truth?
1: I see. Well, every evil, partial evil, is universal good. Every evil has two relationships. If it is related to us, it is evil. If it is related to God, it is a part of the harmony. It is like some disharmony is purposely put by the composer so that it creates a tension. And then when the tension is removed, then you enjoy it. There, in in many sym- symphonies, you have the disharmony, and the disharmony grows and grows, and it comes to a level that you can no longer bear it, and then it is there is a denouement, then it is comes a release. So, evil. Uh, there are many books written why evil. Evil doesn't exist. It is relative to our dignity when. Uh, It is related to you. It says it is not good for you as a man. For example, when they say, don't be vain, all the evils and vices are laughable. Why? Because it is incongruous with your dignity. It is not incongruity in harmony with your dignity. So that is why, what is this book by Moulier, for example, Miser, The stingy man. How is it that you laugh at the stingy man? Because it is laughable. It is laughable. Everything which is not good, every evil, when it is in man. But when it is in the universe, in the whole universe, the Shakespeare of, uh, the great Shakespeare of um, the world, of the universal world, has put a fool here, has put some evils, some goods, and it is all right. It is not in relation to Shakespeare. In relation to Shakespeare, Iago and Desdemona are equal. But in relation to our life, then it is one is evil, one is good. So all partial evil is universal good.
0: Uh, Dr. Gomshi for uh, this wonderful series of lecture and I just want to add one comment that these lectures were all in memory of Shusha uh the great uh, Iranian, Anglo-Iranian writer who passed away recently and uh, so
2: it's in her memory that we're all gathered here tonight. Uh, so Nicholas, you had a comment? Well, I really just want to um, this closes the sixth session that Dr. Gomshi has so generously given Temenos. And uh, Kathleen Raine who is the founder of Temenos, would be absolutely delighted because her, uh, Dr. she is here tonight because of that friendship. Yes. And uh, although it goes back many years, uh, this is the first occasion that we have had so much of Dr. Gomsche. And I really just want to thank, on behalf of the Academy, I really do want to thank you for your generosity in giving us this time. And for bringing your family with us, with you too, which has also been a great pleasure. And I, I have felt for a long time that teaching of living Arabic is such a gift for us in the West. It is such an important thing. And it was through the gift of Henri Corbin and Kathleen's great love for, for, for that writing that, that, that allows Temenos to be so tremendously interested in this teaching and to want to continue it, if we may. But may I say thank you very, very much, indeed. Thank
1: you. Thank you very much. I wanted just to say that what I did is sharing, just sharing my happiness with all of you. And true happiness is shared. So I shared my happiness uh, we, I'm happy that God has given so many gifts of friendship in London and I really am thankful and I hope that I can expend myself for my friends as the, my friends are expending themselves for me.